Hello everyone, Jerry Lee here standing in for the Manifester, and how are you this evening? So this is an exciting time, and we've been away for a little bit, but we are back, and we are, uh, we are in the shoe steps of the job. So praise uh, the one from above, and uh, so happy to have all of you people that are with us tonight, and just uh, hang in there, we're going to be talking about the travel of global mind waves and that's an interesting subject because really it touches every one of us every one of us listening here uh, t tonight uh, it touches uh, the whole world and even reaches out beyond this earth to the universe so it's an interesting subject it's a big subject later at the end of the service we will have uh, Jin Tao uh, which we will be uh, through generative uh, uh, touch uh, you know uh, uh, making uh, uh, a progress toward the healing for people of whatever subject I will announce tonight and uh, we're so happy for all of the people that have written us and told us about uh, the uh, wonderful results of, of healings that they have had from the Gentile uh, uh, type of, uh, of, uh, of prayer and, and uh, presentation. So uh, we're happy for that. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, we sort of threw this in. You might have noticed that um, when my wife was playing the last piece on the organ, uh, just for the interest of it, she threw in the theme of Star Wars. And uh, uh, I some of these movies, you know, go way, way back. I mean, they're old. They've been around for a long time. Star Wars and Star Trek, Close Encounters uh, of a Third Kind. Um, the interesting thing about it is way before any of these movies came out, Star Wars, Star Trek, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, Knowing, The Matrix, and the recent one, Avatar, um, things that they have... Um, in their movies were things that um, uh, were taught in the manifest uh, many, many years before any of those movies ever came out. And I'm not saying that everything in the movie, but I'm saying some of the uh, actual major themes uh, were things that were taught uh, in the manifest teachings and, and people would go to these movies and then they would come to me and they would say, oh, you've got to go and see this movie. It's, it's, it's manifest. It's manifest. You've got to go see it. And I say, oh, really? And so then sometimes I would, my wife and I would go see it. And sure enough, we'd be quite, uh, quite surprised. And, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, I can't say we were unhappy because uh, we always understood that uh, these thoughts and revelations don't belong to any single person. Uh, they 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 belong to the world, and uh, we are um, uh, just happy for the thoughts to get out. That's our main our main uh, goal, and uh, we're not uh, really trying to make exclusivities out of it. Um, so tonight, we're going to start off uh, with a fairly famous scripture in the Book of Psalms. And, oh my, but I have preached and taught and lectured from this um, book of Psalms, the 19th 
chapter of Psalms many, many, many a time. But it, it seems to be ever regenerating, ever renewing of revelation. And it seems that you never really can get over the top of it uh, because it is in a state of constantly forming new summits. And it's interesting, and it's challenging, and it's, uh, it's contagious. Um, chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's people that I've often had say to me, I'd like to see the glory of God. I would like to, to have that revealed to me. And I like to refer those people to this first verse that says, well, in Psalms 19, verse 1, it says, the heavens, heavens, plural, declare the glory of God. Uh, it's almost like that that's their job, that's their destiny, to declare the glory of God. And then it says, furthermore, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And um, that's very, very interesting. The word firmament, of course, is another word that means heaven. But it, this is now talking about the heaven that's, you know, the, uh, sort of like the environmental heavens of the earth. And, um, <clears throat> and we find that thing of the firmament in the first chapter of, uh, of Genesis, to very, if you want to verify that. So we are told that the glory of God can be spotted, uh, can be found because it is being declared. It's in a state of always being declared. And when something is in a state of always being declared, and there are thousands and millions of people that don't know anything about it, then it means one of two things. It means that the declarations that are, that are being uh, transmitted, that to those people that are not receiving it, it is to them noise. And they are not understanding, not being able to interpret, not being able to, to uh, receive the message and apply it. Or it means they are just absolutely deliberately not looking to receive those things because it is not of interest to them. So there are both kinds of people out there. <clears throat> there, of course, are other people that are vividly interested. They want to know those declarations. What are the heavens declaring? What, what, what is the glory of God that is being declared? And, and what is this handiwork? Uh, that would have to be an incredible thing uh, when we think of all of the human talent that there is in art, in music, uh, in, in all kinds of, uh, of other, uh, you know, talents, uh, dancing, uh, uh, the creativity of architectural renderings, on and on and on. Uh, we, we have to look at that as, uh, you know, a, a fascinating contribution that is available just from the human race as humans. But now when we go beyond the human race, beyond the contributions of human, and we t start talking about uh, something that God has done and that is called a handiwork, wow, that has to be exciting. That has to be challenging. Challenging to be able to even understand uh, the symbolicness uh, and, and, and the, the various meanings, uh, what, what, what perhaps even the acronyms 
uh, are that is secretly woven there. Uh, we know that Jesus, the Bible says in the New Testament, uh, just did not speak to the general uh, uh, crowd, uh, but in parables. And, uh, and then many of those parables had to be interpreted to even be understood. And that was because Jesus recognized the time that he was in. And he recognized that he was a light that shone in darkness, but the darkness was not comprehending it. And so uh, to have put that out in a uh, more uh, straight, plain talk type of way uh, would have only infuriated those people and made them ready to destroy him uh, before his time was even finished uh, bringing his message. So uh, there's a lot to think about on all this uh, business of declaration and the handiwork of God. Uh, and so in the verse 2, we're in the 19th chapter of Psalms, it says, Day unto day uttereth his speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. Now there are always some people that make a big statement of saying, well, you know, uh, I pray to him, I ask for uh, signs and wonders and, and miracles, but, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says, ask of the Lord time, ask of the Lord rain in the time of, of, of the latter rain. Uh, so, you know, I don't know when that is. I, I don't know when the time of the latter rain is, and, and I think that I just keep missing it. But there's another aspect that is on the other side uh, of that wall, and that is that according to this verse here that I just read, verse 2, that day unto day uh, and night unto night is showing speech and knowledge, so that there is not any day on which a person would live, uh, that there is not a speech that is being uttered. There is not any night uh, in which a person would live that knowledge is not available. And, and it is actually interesting that you have speech and you have knowledge. Uh, uh, it, it is, there's a lot of things that could be said about the night and the day uh, situation. Um, the, why the day for speech and why the night for knowledge? Uh, we could talk about, you know, the uh, the gravity that is created by large numbers of people tuning in and sort of uh, over over activating uh, the circuits. Uh, we see that today even with the internet. But um, the thing, as applies to that, is with God's word, with God's way of sending out His His broadcast. Uh, it is always there it is always available but we may have to have an allowance as human beings for circumstances like waiting for the time of the latter rain to ask for the latter rain uh, one of the biggest things that people become alien to the will of God about is asking for things according to their own will rather than God's will and asking for things that really don't have any deliberate application uh, for the general good of humanity, but is basically a singularity of need for one person, that being the person who's made the request. Now, that isn't always the case for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are really interested in the general good of other people and for their family and for their loved ones, and we applaud them. Uh, but I want you to know today, 
I want you to know that this instant, that there are waves of knowledge. There are waves of, of utterance that are going out in circuits across the universe and across the face of the globe of this earth. And they are happening on a constant basis. They do not stop for breakfast. They do not stop for lunch. They do not stop for supper time. They do not stop for sleep. They do not stop for anything. They are a continuum. They are constantly there. And you would not have a bucket large enough or a lake wide enough to be able to pour in all of the, the speech that is coming forth and being uttered and all of the knowledge that is being revealed. But in a special kind of way, which the Bible talks about as the rushings, the quickenings, these things of God can be put into a special condensation so that there is a compaction and, and the th these things are compacted uh, sort of like what your brain does when it layers things in your memory and then those memory layers open up and, and the memories come out in the various different orders many things are there, many things are possible if we just want them to be possible and if we get excited enough about it there is no limit to what can be said, what can be done, what can be believed, what can be put into operation. Now verse 3, and we're in the 19th chapter of uh, Psalms, for you that continuously keep coming on, uh, it says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now here we've got the strongest rebuttal to doubt if we're to believe this word at all, that could ever be given. If you say to me, or say to someone else, I pray, but there's just blank. There's no answer. There's just nothing there. I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. I, I ask God, but I don't receive anything. You know, it's just like there is nothing happening out there. There's nothing going on. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not Bible. The Bible says that the heavens are in a constant state of declaring the glory of God. That the very firmament, even of this earth, have in a second-hand kind of way a relay responsibility to allow those sounds to come through their atmospheres, those uh, declarations to come through the atmospheres, being all the various levels of our environmental uh, uh, atmospheres, including things like the ionosphere and, and, you know, so forth. And every day, without a single exception, and every night, without a single exception, there is an utterance of speech that is going on, and an utterance of knowledge that is being revealed. It is a constant, and it never stops. And, no matter what nationality you are, what color you are, what country you live in, what your dialect of language is, there is no speech nor language where their voice, their plural voice, is not heard.
Now, this is a wipeout of doubt. This is a cancellation of those kind of wrong antenna settings that have the antenna basically over into some kind of drift land uh, uh, that is that is in a pool of of of, of uh, self thinking uh, and muddled in it to such an extent that it can't break through to hear what the the universe is saying and speaking. There's no language. There's no language. There's no speech where the voice and the voices of these wonderful declarations of the glory of God are not heard. That is absolutely, absolutely super exciting. Now, in the fourth verse of the 19th chapter of Psalms, it says, Their line is gone out through all the earth. Now, we're getting specific. We're getting right down to the foundation level of where your human body lives on this terra firma of the earth. And it's, it's, it's breaking this down just in case people say, yeah, oh yeah, you know, out there in the stars, I'm sure somewhere out there, yeah, there's probably all kinds of revelation. But here we are on this earth that's not even in the middle of our galaxy, that's way off to the, the edge somewhere, sort of close to the end of it. But this word of God says, the line, the arrow, the direction, the sound, is gone out through all the earth. All the earth takes in every supposition, every imagination, every possible happening. It does not have to stop at any stop signs. It does not have to stop at any red lights. It does not have to stop because of some religious overtone. It does not have to stop because of some political overtone. It does not have to swerve or curve or detour because a number or a group or an individual might defy its reality. It is just an absolute, beyond speculative fact that this, the, the lines of these wonderful uh, things that it describes here as speech and showing of knowledge have gone out through all the earth. There is no place that you may step your, your foot. There is no valley, no mountain you may climb on. There is no hole in the ground you may dig. There is no place where you may build. There is no real estate. That's the line of the sound of the speech and the declarations has not penetrated. And the words, they're not just some kind of finkle-dinkle kind of twinkly sound that you couldn't understand if you lived 
20,000 years. <clears throat> These are words. And their words go to the end of the world. And we could call that to the end of time. For as long as anyone lives on this planet, for as long as this earth has habitability, for as long as people call this their home, for as long as this place is a breeding ground for populations, to the end of that world, the words of this declaration, which includes knowledge, which includes the handiwork of God, which includes the speech, the speech of God, is incorporated in those words. And there is a potentiality there that is so vast and so great and so beyond the vernacular of, of common human reasoning that a person ought to just take this 19 Psalms put it into a song and sing it, put it into a poem and quote it, wrap it up into a letter, mail it to yourself, and never, never forget it for as long as you live. Their line is gone out. It's already happened, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get this into some kind of post situation or futuristic situation, situation. Don't put it past, don't put it future. It has already happened, and that way it covers the past. It is still happening, that way it covers the present. It is going to continue to be happening, that way it covers the future. This word is so great and so full of the light of life and the quality of life and the power of life that it is called a tabernacle for the sun S-U-N and then it compares it in verse 5 which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run a race Verse 6, his going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing hid from the heat thereof. I find these words so haloed. I find these words so married to oracle I find these words so much like multiple rainbows so much like the voices of an incredible sized choir sounding like the voice of many living waters I find these words as words of God there is a bridegroom, and there is the moment that the bridegroom is to come out of his chamber, and there is the moment of rejoicing, and all of it has to do with the recognition 
and with the rendering of the verses that preceded it, which have to do with understanding that the heavens declare the glory of God, and our earthly environment declares it, and that there is no day or any or there is no night in which there is a void of that. And the line is gone out throughout all this earth upon which you walk and stand and lay to sleep or run has gone out throughout all of it. It is available right now. It will be available after this broadcast. It will be available tonight as you are sleeping. It will be available tomorrow morning. There is no end to its availability. It's just a matter of reaching up and grabbing it with your consciousness and doing so in a conscientious way. Because there is a bridegroom. There is a Yahweh El, a Jesus Christ, who is waiting to come out of his chamber, who is waiting for that moment of rejoicing. And in that rejoicing, they're coming on the strength of a strong man to run the race. And that as this strong man stands in proxy, getting ready to run the race, all of the ones who have heard the declarations of this glory, who have listened to the utterance of the speech and the showing of knowledge, and have understood of its total, ultimate availability, and who have pressed into that line that has gone out through all the earth, they understand that through that proxy of the strong man, they are able to take on that essence and that energy and that strength as though they themselves were that strong man. And in that revelation of verse 6, his going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it. This is another constant. A constant that reaches beyond space and distance and time. A constant that reaches beyond circumstances. It reaches to the very end of everything that says end. And at that moment, punctuates it with a shattering period, making it to be over, making the finality to be the power of the strength of this strong man to run a race. And in his circuits, there being no place, there being nothing that can hide from the intensity of that glory and of that power. And then there is another beautiful thing that happens here. As you go down into verse 7, I've had many people say, what happens here? It's like, like the scripture takes a detour and it stops talking about this other episodic revelation. And it starts talking about the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
And I would say, oh, this is the beautiful thing of it. This is the moment of squirt when you reach the absolute place where you are filled with the Holy Ghost. And there is no room left in the body to contain it. And it begins to squirt out of you so that it is coming out of your eyes, coming out of your ears, coming out of your nostrils, coming out of your hands, out of your feet. Because that is the power of the moment when you are not just receiving to be self-contained, but you are receiving to go beyond your self-containment and to enter that characterization of reaching out to touch the world that is so desperate for these moments of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and the salvation of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we aren't fastened onto the word law because we have an understanding of the word law being far greater than just a few columns of sentences that are ready to damn you if you make the wrong move. We understand that there is a day of a door opening of utterance. And then when this door of utterance opens, and that explosive dynamic moment of which I have been speaking happens, that this law will be a consensus of revelation, will be a stamped-in acknowledgement within our own senses, within the fleshly tables of our heart and our mind of the things of God that have been speaking and talking and revelating and singing and poeming for eons of eons of never-ending sessions. Exciting. It is not anything less than exciting. Now, if you wanted to put this into the New Testament perspective, then you could turn with me to the 10th chapter of Romans. Because the 10th chapter of Romans has a takeoff from this 19th chapter of Psalms that I read. And I'll just read a portion of it. But in the 10th chapter of Romans, verse 18, after it had been talking about the gospel and who would believe the report or not believe it and how that faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the whole question mark how would everyone get to hear this message and even if they did hear it would they believe it but the most important thing is the opportunity that everyone should hear it and then this incredible statement in verse 18 Romans 10:18 but I say Sometimes, you know, when you are delivering a lecture or a rendering and you are trying to reconcile a point, sometimes you have to stop, abrupt, stop abruptly and you have to say, but regardless of all these 
potentialities. Regardless of all these detours that may or may not be taken, regardless of all these different viewpoints that might be expressed by different people in different minds, regardless of how people will hear something and how people will believe something in their modes of differentiation, here is the fact. Verse 18, I say, have they not heard? Have they not heard regardless of their consensus, regardless of how they would interpret it, regardless of how they would disbelieve it or believe it, regardless of how they would render it or curse it or bless it? Have they not heard? And with a resounding, yes, verily, their sound went unto all the earth. Now, it's interesting that in the Romans, taking it from a Greek translation, the Psalms 19 from a Hebrew translation, which in the fourth verse uses the word, their line is gone out through all the earth. Line, like you could call it measurement. But in this particular case, it was more than just a measurement. It was like a particular kind of uh, linkage that was put over the board a ship and that as it would go down into the depths, there would be sort of a, a certain kind of twinkling, a, a tinkling sound that would be able to be understood as to uh, how deep and how many phantoms down uh, that it was until it reached the bottom. So it was uh, both a line and, at the, and in the other sense of its Hebrew root, it was a, a sounding of the depth. And so in the preference of the word sounding, because that also incorporated in the sounding uh, the idea of the sound going out as a line, uh, the translators translated verse 18 from line to yes, verily, there, retained the plural, their sound, their sound went out. So this is very important that, uh, that we get that. Uh, very, very important. Uh, their sound went out unto all the earth, not just out in space, not just into galaxies beyond, not just to the end of the galaxies, but went unto all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world, the end of time or the end of the universe, however you want to, to hear that. So the proposition that has been presented as a definition is from the, the concept that there is nobody that has not heard the word. That everybody has heard it. They may not be consciously aware that they heard it. They may not remember that they heard it. But it is in them. So in the book of John, the Bible says, the Gospel of John it says there is no person born into this world that is not born into the light. You are born into the light. There is nobody in this world that does not have the kingdom of God within them. 
they have all heard, and the sound has gone out and entered into every one of them. <clears throat> Pretty awesome, would you not say? So that is an absolutely astounding, interesting, mind-captivating uh, revelation. And it is succinct, and it is dimensional, and it is abounding with many different attachments that have the capability of trekking us into other mind quests. <coughs> Excuse me. Exciting time. I can't think of it as being anything less. Okay, now we're going to um, talk about just a couple things. Let's just take a little uh, uh, break here from the uh, intensity of this and throw in uh, another little point or so. You know, there are always the doomsayers and there are always the doubters. And there are always those persons who just cannot seem to enjoy the possibility of their ever being able to share into the marvels and the miracles. <clears throat> now, they have created <clears throat> these um, huge um, particle accelerators. And um, they do contribute a lot of information. But by the very nature of how those accelerators are created, even though they are firing uh, off rays at tremendous speeds, the very nature of how the particle accelerators were made makes it impossible to ever obtain speeds approaching the speed of light. Now, there was a time when it was a big thing if they could get an airplane to break the, the speed of sound barrier. And that was a really, really incredible thing if they could achieve breaking the speed of sound barrier. And they had these propeller-driven uh, airplanes that they flew, and and uh, they used uh, you know a lot of propeller power and larger engines, and they did everything they could. But uh, in the history that I remember and understand, they were never able never able to break the sound barrier <clears throat> with the propeller-driven planes. Now, scientifically, as I remember, it has been said that it is impossible due to the nature of how a propeller-driven plane um, uh, uh, approaches velocity and uh, and moves through space to ever travel faster than the sound of of uh, of uh, uh, than the speed of sound. It was not until <clears throat> they created a jet engine, a jet engine that was able to move air molecules and drive them faster than the speed of light that they were able to succeed and use a force that propagated faster than 
the speed of sound to achieve breaking the speed of sound record. Now there are those scientifically <clears throat> that understand that if gravity should be able to drive a body to uh, a point past the speed of, of, of light um, barrier, that uh, even though these forces, such as those in particle accelerators, are limited in pro propagating and pushing the speeds at the speed of light, it would most likely be able to succeed, and it would put the whole concept of being able to travel at the speed of light uh, in a different way that would not even break the uh, mathematical configuration that Einstein came up with why you couldn't go faster than the speed of light because it would be basing it on reasons that were outside of his of his proposition. <clears throat> I find that very interesting and I find that that does relate to our teachings tonight uh, because we are talking we are talking about um, you know advanced things uh, things that uh, uh, would make a person really uh, question as to how that these things of which I read here tonight about this constant, how that that would be possible to achieve it. And, uh, uh, you know, but uh, there is an octavo uh, that looks like it's only a few pages of, of um, revelation, uh, but in the sense of it being an octavo, there are actually many, many pages uh, because it, it folds it and you read on the front and the back side and it's connected to, to other pages in the folds. And uh, so it, it uh, as an octavo, gives you something like 16 pages. And uh, there are revelations like that that are enfolded within a kind of octavo that um, on the surface looks like it's just a one or two or three of something, but in fact it is a many, many times uh, that of something. I find uh, that intriguing. I find that exciting. I find that something that I want to keep looking at. Okay. <clears throat> now... Um, Let's talk about, then, what is going on here? How is this happening, this speech and knowledge uh, that is everywhere? And how do we consciously or subconsciously and ultimately, mind-consciously, get into the awareness and into the information, the data, the, the message, so that it is applicable to us and we can understand it and we can utilize it. Well, in the teachings of the Holy Manifest, we talk about the sound tron. And the sound tron actually comes from these very verses that I read to you, Psalms 19 and the Romans 10 uh, verse. And basically what it says is that the sound, which is the line, is a, also a kind of measurement. So the Greek word for measure is metron. Met, 
Tron, M-E-T-R-O-N. And so if we take the sound for the first part of the meaning of line, and then we add the measurement onto the second part, and we uh, we uh, take and um, uh, shorten it a little bit by just putting the word Tron in there, we end up with sound Tron. So the manifest calls this message that is going out through all the universe and throughout all the earth, the sound Tron. And the manifest teaches that it incorporates all of the wells of God, the perfect well and, and all of the other wells, the allowable wells and so forth. But there is another part of the sound Tron that we don't talk about very often. And it is the Soundtron wave. Um, it, it is the Soundtron, believe this, uh, that through the processes of latolution creates the Soundtron wave. And this very wave is what makes possible the connectedness of all things. So there is a, a possibility for a linking and for a, a merging into similitudes via the Soundtron wave, because it has the power of connectedness of all things. This Soundtron wave is sort of like a ghost wave of plurality, or if you want to call it like we've used it recently with all this interpretiveness, phantom wave of plurality. And the interconnectedness of all plurality is potentiated because that in, the, that in nature itself every atom flies in proxy for every part that is a part of the creation. Therefore the spirit being from the body and the body being from the original pure energy spirit brings us to an understanding of the divine aura soul which is the essence and the presence of almighty invisible God imaged in Am's exactness in the universe and on earth. So this ghost and I know people don't like to use the word ghost, but God didn't seem to mind for it to be called the Holy Ghost when it spoke of the of the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference, of course, between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. They are of the same energy and same substance, but it has to do with the quantity. So when you're full of the whole, uh, of the Holy Spirit, then you have the Holy Ghost, and then you get signs that you can see like the fiery cloven tongues or the Holy Ghost descending as a, a dove. And there are many other instances that are so very important along that line. So it's, it's really a beautiful understanding and a beautiful revelation. Now, uh, as we... Uh, get into this thing of the the ghost uh, wave uh, we begin to real 
realize and recognize it as a radiated wave impression. And the spirit is the modulated identity, and the body is the emerged image projection of the aura core soul in its quest to birth new life through latolution. Latolution, what is that? Latolution is a very important word. First off, think of the term of lattice. There's atomic lattice, there's all kinds of, there's crystal lattice, uh, all kinds of meanings of lattice, but it, it, it is a uh, it is a kind of um, of of uh, map of the intricacy of the subject of a thing of the the being of a thing, and then lutron, uh, lutron for lutron, uh, lutron comes from from meaning uh, to set free. So set free the lattice, the, the, the map, the blueprint. Set it free from, from the way it is written so that you can overcome the way it's written. If you've inherited some bad genes <coughs> that keep coming back to you, and as you get older, uh, you know, you get more and more um, uh, attracted into some of those things that you know are sort of bad genetic traits, but you seem to not be able to help it, Latolution can help take you out of it. So it's exciting. It is very exciting. <coughs> All right. Now, in the core of this thought, and uh, in all the deepness of that little bit that I just read you, we don't want to, you know, cast you into uh, a huge question mark that haunts you day and night. Uh, we will be going more into the meaning of the Soundtron wave, the Soundtron latolution, but we can't just all do it in one trip over this uh, broadcast or over our blogs. It just is going to have to happen over a period of time. Let's go on with this door of, of utterance, and uh, let's just... Uh, Let's just look at another scripture. Um, turn with me to um, to Roman, uh, pardon me, to First Corinthians thirteen nine. First Corinthians thirteen nine. Okay, and we're going to look at something here. <clears throat> in the thirteenth chapter, in the ninth verse, it says, "For we know in part, and we prophesy in part." But when that which is perfect is come, then that which in, is in part will be done away with. Now, what the Bible is telling us here in the writings of Paul and 1 Corinthians is that we have an awareness of a part of reality, of a part of truth. But it's only a, a partial thing. And, uh, and the only thing that we can do about the other part that we don't understand uh, is to prophesy. And, and uh, you know, uh, like with Ezekiel, when God spoke to him and said, Ezekiel, what do you think about these dry, dead bones? Can they live again? And Ezekiel was saying, oh, wow, I don't know. That's basically what he was saying. 
And then God says, well, breathe on them and prophesy for them to come alive. So when we want this other part that is not intelligent yet, has not come forth from our memory, is buried somewhere deep within us. Very interesting. I had someone write me, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, on the and make a make a um, a comment on one of the blogs that uh, that uh, you know doesn't get commented on very often, but it's got a lot of comments on it. And they were speaking about that they were very suspicious that there was tremendous a lot of revelation in their bones. <laughs> and I thought, well, I really like that. Uh, to come to that understanding uh, is very, very uh, advanced. And when a person begins to realize that the potential uh, uh, part is there, and, um, and so it goes on in verse 10 of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and it says, uh, When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So, <clears throat> There's a part that we know, and there's a part that we prophesy. But when we come to that part where uh, we enter into a, a perfection of this revelation, we won't have to put it into a prophecy, like a prophecy of faith or a supposition because that practice will be done away with. And it will be very much likened to verse 11, when we were a child, we spake like a child. We spake like children. And we understood like children. We thought as children. But when we became a mature adult, we put away childish things. And that is probably one of the best scenarios to tell you your age in the maturity of being a Christian. The more of these things that you do not understand puts you more into the unmature state, more into the child mind. You just have not come out of the child mind. You are still in toyland. And we're not knocking the child or the children. We love them. But there is a time that you would want your child to grow into maturity. You wouldn't want your child to be dwarfed. You wouldn't want your child to be incomplete of mental processes and not uh, develop and not uh, be able to progress in his advancing into adulthood. So God does not want you to stay in that mental state where you are not advancing. And when someone comes along, like in this manifest revelation, it's the opportunity of a lifetime for a person to be able to hear the things that will break them free from that bondage of childlike reckoning. And it says, when I was a child, I found the child. So when you are in that childlike reckoning, your thoughts will not have a maturity to them. So you will not be able to think in terms like the scriptures I just read, of how that there is a universal scope, of how that there is this tremendous, constant 
this constant of God's love that has that is a speech that is sent throughout all of the universe and covers and, and, and penetrates every aspect of this earth. It's too hard for a child to comprehend. <clears throat> but as you become into this adult mind, as you, as you move forward, you can begin to understand it by various comparatives. And as you begin to understand it, it broadens you. It advances you. It carries you forward into other lanes of dimensional conquest. And you become sharper and sharper. And you discover that, that the spiritual sword is not just sharpened on one side, but it's a double-edged sword that's sharpened on both sides. And it has a bounding and a rebound. It has a going forth and a coming back. It has the power to cut down and the power to make alive. It's sensational. And then, for further explanation, verse 12 takes off on a profound uh, insight. For now, we see through a glass darkly. There's things happening on the other side of that glass. All of these things that I read to you, all of these waves, these soundtron waves, <clears throat> the speech of God, the handiwork of God, the incredible knowledge. It's all happening. It's a constant. It never stops. Every day, every night. But to a lot of people it's just noise. And the glass that they're looking through is a glass darkly. And they just can't see it. But there is a calling, there is an unction, there is a compassion that is going out and speaking to the people that will listen to this message. Because God wants you to come into that relationship of a face-to-face -face reasoning with knowledge so that you won't just know in part, but you will know in the fullness not only of the many revel, uh, revelations of things, but most important and in the most outstanding epic that you will be known even as you were once known, that the rest, restoration of the view and of the reality of who you really are from whence you really came, and the destiny of your life, what it really is about, will be revealed and incorporated in that revelation. Verse 13 are three singularities, faith, hope, and charity. Wow. That is absolutely sensational. And God wants you to come into that. And there's no reason why that you cannot. You know, there is a scripture, almost everybody knows it. As a person thinks, so is that person. I think it's worded as a man thinks, so is he. I mean, same thing. So as a person thinks, that's where you are, what you are, and in many cases, what you're going to be. 
around and around the circle for a long, long time. You've got to grab a hold of that. You've got to find a knot hold somewhere in it and hang on and say, wait a minute. As, as I think, so am I. I've got to start enhancing. I've got to start rendering. I've got to start enchanting my thoughts so that I can become what I am not. So that I can fulfill that scripture calling those things that are not as though they are. Wow. That's what you can do. That's what you should do. That is what you should do. Okay. Turn with me to Genesis 2. The book of Genesis 2. Here's an absolutely sensational scripture, and I've preached on it many a time. In Genesis 2, and in the verse 4 through 5, this is what it says. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens or made the earth and the heavens. Now that is a powerful verse. All the list of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days are capsulated and are accentuated and punctuated in the subtitle, under the subtitle, of generations. And it, it is a covering <clears throat> that not only has to do with things of the heavens, but it has to do with things of the earth. In the day they were created, and that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And then this is the sensational step up to this message tonight I want to talk to you about. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. Now here is a statement about plants that are already designated to grow in fields because they are the plants of the field. But it was before they were put in the earth or before they were put in the ground. So there exists a full statue DNA, a full plan of these plants. The total makeup, the total sensation of what their contribution to being a plant is once they are planted into the ground. And it already exists before it would ever be planted in the ground. And it is designated as a plant that is a plant of the field. Now when you look at this, and we're reading from the King James Version, and you really get caught up with the rapture of this idea and this reality. What you see is out there in the sound wave, out there in the continuum of the day-to-day -day and the night-to-night -night of the speech of God and the revelations in the night of knowledge and the handiwork of God 
is already potentiated all the possibilities of anything that could ever ladder loot upon the earth or anywhere else in the entire universe. All the possibilities are there. You don't have to be a genius. You only have to break through and get on circuit. And then you can pull that right on down. So it can get planted. You can bypass the dark glass. You can bypass the child mind whose limits of thought cannot reach into the maturity of this beyond the dark glass revelation. And with this kind of insight and with this kind of penetration, you will have the power to pull down from the heavens things like it describes in Isaiah. A machine having teeth that will grind down the mountains and spit them out as dust. Ever answer that you could ever need. Ever dream that you could ever dream. Ever hope that you could ever hope. Ever reality that you wish for and want because you believe in it deeply. All potentially is in the mind waves that travel globally on this earth and travel in the awe to awe across the universe. Yes, they travel in the awe to awe across the universe. And so there are pre-existing thoughts not materialized but with all of the blueprint for the potentiation of being materialized and fulfilling the plan for which they pre-exist in thought as a mind wave. And we only have to become a conductor to pull down these existing thought waves and put them in to the first modes of operation. These mind waves are out there, ladies and gentlemen. They're everywhere. Things we think. Things that we even receive from God. And we write out and we think out and we talk about and we preach about. They get onto the sound waves. And other people pick them up. But we cannot at anything at any time say we were the first or they were exclusively with us, <clears throat> that isn't important. But I do know that some of the parts of, of some of these movies, like the new movie Avatar, I have not seen it, but I've been told about it. And I've told about these trees that are hollowed out and, and these flowers that you know, or can be like lights they can turn off and on. And I wrote that same type of a of a story, only in my opinion it's tremendously more beautiful and more detailed. Many, many years ago, many, many years ago. And it is written and been published and a lot of people have it. It's not been published, but it's put in a book <clears throat> and a lot of people have that book, uh, but it's not for the general public. And um and it tells that story.
Star Wars. There's so many things in Star Wars. <laughs> it's just incredible, the story in Star Wars and the things that are in the manifest that go along with Star Wars. Same thing with Star Trek. Same thing with Close Encounters of a Third Kind and the movie called Knowing. And The Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix so incorporates in its story something very close to what we tell and we call the SWU. And written many, 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 many years before any of these movies were ever made. But one day, we will have, God willing, the manifest ready to not only be totally published as the Holy Manifest with all of its chapters, but one day, many of these incredible stories, which includes an, uh, a story of, of uh, not like any other story I've ever heard of, of, the, of, uh, of Moses when they crossed the Red Sea and, and, and a story of Noah and the Ark and just on and on and on. One day, those movies will be made and the rest of the revelation that is really missing from the pictures that are available will be made and revealed to humankind so that they can hear a little more of those sound waves that have been penetrating the universe and penetrating this earth. And there's no one that hasn't heard it. It's just gone into their depths in a deep subconsciousness that one day can be brought forth, can be brought up, and they can remember. And what a sensational time that will be. What a beautiful time that will be. Okay. Um, now that was from Genesis 2, 4 through 5. And that was utter. Now, in Acts 2-2, I'm not going to turn to it, but it talks about the sound of a mighty rushing wind from heaven that came into this second story building where the recipients were sitting and waiting on receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, fulfilling the words of Jesus who said to them, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when it did come, after they were in a spirit of, of alignment, after they were in a spirit of unity, Acts 2.2, it came as a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And that rushing wind thing isn't just an accident. It's not new to the Bible. In 2 Samuel 5.24 2 Samuel 5.24 and 1 Corinthians 14.15 it talks about the sound as a rushing and a rustling in the tops of the mulberry tree. And the captains of the host told their soldiers now God has revealed to us that he's going to give us a sign of when we are to attack the enemy. And they had created a sort of um, uh, hidden posture and uh, an ambush. And God has said, when you hear a rustling and a rushing in the top of the mulberry trees, then you will know that is the time for your army to go out and to attack the enemy. And then in both these cases, Second Samuel 5, 24, 1 Chronicles 14, 15, these 
rushings, these quickenings, these stirrings uh, happened. And they were able to go forth and, you know, have a great victory. So it's exciting how that the Soundtron wave can speak and open up and can tell people how to survive, how to be successful. And we know that when the Pentecostal experience happened on the day of Pentecost of the Holy Spirit, that it enabled people who could only and maybe barely speak their native language, it enabled them to speak many other languages so that all kinds of people from other lands and other speech languages were able to hear them speaking in these new tongues their own language. What a breakthrough. What a reaching into the Soundtron wave and opening the door of utterance. What a moment. What an incredible, astounding glory. Well, it is the time of the many living waters. Revelations 1.15 talks about the voice of the sound of many living waters. We mustn't just read about these things. We mustn't have a dead curiosity, avoid mental perspective when it comes to wanting to know what the Scripture is saying. If we are in any means serious enough to think that we want to believe it, we need to explore it. We need to invest time of meditation into it. We need to understand what it means when it's talking about the wings of the cherubims like it talked about that in Ezekiel 10.5 and Revelations 9.9 when it talked about the wings of angels. We need to understand what that means. I remember one time I found a little pen and it had these wings on it and it was the emblem badge that the pilots for the United Airlines would, would wear. And I had found it, and I really didn't know what it was, and I had pinned it on. And so the pilot on this airplane flight, and it wasn't just a lot of people, when he saw that, he says, oh, wow, he says, well, uh, Captain, would you like to come up and join us in the cockpit? And uh, I didn't realize that when he was saying Captain that he thought that I was a pilot. And I just thought he was being nice. So I said, yeah, I sure would. And so I went up there and sat up there. And, and as I began to realize and think about what they were thinking I was, I was praying that they didn't decide to have the co-pilot take a break and have me take over the controls. Because I guarantee you, I didn't have a sound wave breakthrough yet on how to fly that big craft. Anyway, it turned out very nice and with a lot of friendly uh, gestures and smiles. And I kept the pen for a long time and the memory. But it was nice to know what the wings stood for and how they represented pilots flying a commercial aircraft. And when we 
see these stories about angels with wings and cherubims and seraphims with wings, we just need to understand that they could be very much like those United Pilot badge we, uh, pins, that they represent that these pilots are, or these are pe people are pilots, or they're, these angels are involved, um, like it said with God. It spoke about that um, God with his cherub did fly, and that these angels with their ziths do fly, with their wings do fly. And uh, because it is a symbol of being able to move with great speeds through the air. I find all those things just very, very interesting. Okay, so I have one other, uh, one or two other things I want to read real fast here. Uh, Psalm 64.6 talks about inward thoughts and how that even... On the negative side, there are people that are aware of these these inward thoughts, and they try to destroy people by their knowledge of those inward thoughts that people have. And uh, there, uh, of course, is uh, the the revelation of uh, Luke two thirty five, uh, when there was a prophecy in the temple, and it was given about Jesus and it said that the thoughts of many hearts are to be revealed through his ministry and so that prophecy of Jesus Christ really is about this very message I'm preaching the thoughts of many hearts are to be revealed because God said there isn't anybody that doesn't know this it's inside them they, they are born in this light <coughs> they are born in this light there isn't anybody who doesn't have this in them as a light, as a kingdom of, of God within. And we're coming into that time that there is to be a revealing of the thoughts of the many hearts of God's people. That's what God wants to bring you into. And in Psalms 139.17, it says that God's thoughts are more than the stars of heaven. And in Psalms 94.11, it said, The Lord knows the thoughts of humankind. And in Psalms 33.11, it says that the counsels and thought of the Lord are given to all generations. And so, we see beyond the question of a shadow of a doubt, we see that the revelation that God has provided in the Word for us is absolutely outstanding. It's absolutely incredible. And I won't turn to it, but in Luke 12, 25, Jesus gives a whole expose of how to think right. Not just think about living and dying and what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. He's not saying that those things aren't important. But he's talking about first premise. He's talking about how that if you're like that, you're not as, you're not as, as smart as a crow. Which 
doesn't worry about storing anything in barns, doesn't worry about, uh, you know, going out planting and raising food. Uh, he just knows that he'll find it somewhere, and he always does. The 31st verse of that chapter, Luke 12:25, and the, and the 31st verse says, But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added to you. This is a little bit of spiritual math. You want to get into these breakthrough revelations. You have to have the right perspective of where you put your heart and where you think in terms of importance of those things as regards you and your family and your life. <clears throat> I'm not in any way diminishing the importance of, of, of the family. But just saying, there's a way to render things and an order for doing that. <clears throat> so, uh, this has been uh, not a very long teaching. And there's another beautiful part that I was going to get into about the, uh, the seven angels of Revelation. But I think because we have Gentile to do yet, that we'll save that for another time. I might tell you that there is a new blog on and you should really get on board and read it. Uh, it's um, Stars Forever Part 3 and you will find it very extremely interesting and you should get on there and you should read it and I hope that you're evangelizing this word and telling other people about it and keeping them informed of the power that is available and how that they can they can get on board on the manifest star community and they can uh, they can they can read some of these teachings that I've done because they've been recorded so I'm, so I'm going to go into uh, um, some Gentile tonight this is just going to be a short uh, procedure <clears throat> and what I want to deal with tonight is uh, people who are having uh, problems um, with muscles, especially um, that cross the shoulder joints. And I want to deal with the axial, uh, axial muscles and the, um, the scapital, scapular muscles. <coughs> Excuse me. The scapular muscles. And um, I want to deal with, uh, for those people who are, are having, uh, having problems uh, in that part of uh, of their body uh, around the shoulders and and a shoulder joint uh, <coughs> so if you're here and if it applies to you uh, gonna open up the sensory motors and uh, uh, open up these interrogative uh, systems and um, and turn on the generator potentials uh, so that we can get some action going here uh, for you in, in the way of deliverance. So uh, be excited because there's no reason that you should not be. Be excited as we begin to deal uh, with any of you people who are having such problems. Here we go. 
hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, uh, to the paras, uh, to the paracentric uh, part uh, of the brain, uh, so that the messages uh, begin to move through the medulla, uh, through the pons, uh, through the midbrain, to the thyroid, to the thalamus, and uh, to the uh, cerebrum and the cerebellum, and begin to uh, uh, deal um, uh, with uh, all of the uh, the messenger and receptor parts of the of the hormones uh, to release the secretions and the fluids uh, to help uh, regulate uh, the the body and to bring the body into a uh, a, a state of healing in these muscular areas uh, that are causing pain and and difficulty uh, for people. Uh, first, I, I want to deal with the uh, <clears throat> regulating hormones uh, to regulate according. Uh, for instance, any of these persons who may in the past have been on, um, on dope uh, and that have residue still in their body, and this residue is acting as inhibitors, uh, hypothalamus to the tutor, tutor, hypothalamus to thyroid, begin to send messages to the lymphatic system and begin to uh, 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 cause there to be a rising of these residues uh, and picked up by the blood spring, uh, by the blood um, so that the lymphatic uh, glands throughout the body can purify uh, those residues and remove them as inhibitors uh, that are blocking the messenger systems uh, of the hormones. Uh, hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid, uh, begin to deal uh, with the uh, blood pressures within the brain uh, and the, uh, uh, the kidneys uh, so that they are regulated uh, uh, into the proper operating mode uh, for the uses of uh, their sensory nerves uh, for the pathways uh, and for the parts of the brain that are associated uh, with uh, stimulating and uh, and and uh, dealing with uh, inhibiting properties uh, that uh, uh, are suppressing the release of substances uh, that would heal them and eradicate uh, their problem. Uh, begin to deal with that now by uh, concentrating in uh, the neurons and uh, in uh, the nucleus uh, of the brain stem uh, <clears throat> to involve um, uh, an inducing of, um, of uh, a release of serotonin uh, re re involving in a release of, um, of a small amount of, uh, of uh, dopamine and, uh, and a release of endorphins uh, and dynorphine uh, begin to deal uh, with, a, with a release uh, in, uh, to the body of uh, uh, also a small amount of adrenaline where needed. Uh, begin to, to make these releases uh, so that they continue for uh, 30 days and uh, uh, release um, in, in amounts that uh, are uh, the best uh, for the capability of the body and for the healing of the body. 
if there's any inhibitors or blockers, our message is anti to this, they are canceled. Okay? And that is the end of our Jin Tao session. I want to say I am not a doctor. I'm not telling you to, to not go to doctors. I'm not telling you to not take your medicine. I'm just telling you that this is a method of speaking to your brain and sending signals into your brain to trigger uh, your brain uh, to release operations in uh, the body that will bring healing to you. And uh, we just uh, very happy for those success uh, stories that we've received. And uh, we thank you again for being online. Uh, we want to remind you to uh, to fully check out uh, the uh, community, Star Eyes community. Uh, we noticed that um, some of the new um, uh, inputs that have gone in there in the way of posts, that there's been a lot of readership. But they're like uh, the the posts that have gone into the love blogs, which are, you got to do a little search to find it. And there's this new one I put on there called Autumn Love. It's quite interesting to read that not as many people have been able to find it and therefore have not been able to, you know, report as, uh, as, as having been there reading it. So search a little harder. You will find it. And we hope to eventually make our whole uh, uh, system on the, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, network that we have uh, more simple. Uh, we would really appreciate if you would make comments on our blogs. Uh, but anyway, get on the horn and read the one that's on right now. Also, there's a lot of neat things that are being said uh, on a fairly often basis uh, on Twitter and on um, uh, Facebook. So God bless you. We love you. And you have a wonderful evening. I want to thank all of you people that have sent emails, all of you people that are helping us in the various many ways that you, you can. And do not think for one minute that your efforts are in vain. Uh, if we're a little slow getting everything put on uh, line, uh, we will get there. So God bless. See you again, Lord willing, next week. watching.
you broadcast.